as we've already mentioned, these students have gone through a process. It's an eight-week process where they spent four weeks with Mary and I talking about the basics of Christianity, talking about things like sin and what Jesus did and what our church is and how they can be a part of it. And then they spent four weeks diving deeper uh, with their mentors, uh, talking about what it means for them personally to follow Jesus, talking about uh, how to write their creeds and confessions. Um, and then they went before the council and the council examined them and uh, accepted them as members of our church. Uh, we've taken the next steps in our faith. Uh, at their baptism, they became part of the church based on their parents' faith. Here now at their profession of faith, Bree, Mia, and Jace have made their faith their own. Uh, they're living out what we uh, gave them a gift, and on their gift we wrote uh, this verse, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, where it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Today, these three have done just that. They've believed in their heart and confessed that they love Jesus. Uh, we're going to spend some time today looking at another person in the Bible who did just that, who after encountering Jesus and spending some time with him, changed his life forever. So if you have your Bibles or if you're using the Bibles in the pew, you want to turn to page, or Luke uh, chapter 19, 1 through 10. It's on page 852 in your pew Bibles if you want to follow along. Uh, we're talking about the story of Zacchaeus today. Uh, and Zacchaeus is a story that we're all pretty familiar with. I think we're pretty familiar with it because of the children's song uh, about Zacchaeus, where it goes something like this. There's a reason why Matt has his job and not me, uh, so bear with me as I sing it. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbs up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And so for all of us, uh, a lot of us know that song, but the story of Zacchaeus is so much more than just that song, and we're going to dive into it right now. Um, so if you have your Bibles, if you want to follow along with me. Jesus entered Jericho and passed through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus spotted him, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of sinners. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, for the Son of God came to seek and save the lost. And the story of Zacchaeus is quite unlike most stories in the, in the Gospel of Luke. The story of Zacchaeus... Uh, is Zacchaeus doesn't have any like physical needs or uh, 
or social needs. Uh, he, he's got lots of money. He's, he's physically healthy. The story right before this uh, in Luke chapter 18 also takes place in Jericho. Uh, the author Luke talks about a blind beggar who comes to Jesus with a need for sight. He comes to Jesus uh, needing something. But Zacchaeus is incredibly different than this. He had all the material possessions going for him. He wasn't looking for food or healing, but he wanted Jesus. He wanted to get to know Jesus, and he was willing to look a little foolish in order to do it. See, he was willing to run uh, ahead of the crowd, which is something that Jewish men didn't do in that time. You think of the story of the prodigal son, and the father runs after the prodigal son, um, how that was shocking to people. And then he was willing to climb up a tree. Definitely not something Jewish men do. You think about what they wore. They would wear tunics. Uh, and so not exactly tree climbing attire. Uh, our students today were willing to step out of their comfort zone and share their faith. Jace, Mia, and Bree were willing to give their creeds publicly. Uh, something that people say public speaking is something that people fear more than death itself. Uh, Jace, Mia, and Bree, as far as I know, don't have uh, any physical ailments uh, like Zacchaeus. Uh, Jace is a star um, basketball player, tennis player, and uh, baseball player. Uh, Mia is a really, really good golfer and tennis player. And Bree, as you heard earlier, has the gift of singing. Um, and so they don't have those physical needs or economic needs. Um, but like Zacchaeus, they saw their need for Jesus. You see, Zacchaeus really didn't monetarily lack much. He came from the town of Jericho, which is a town of about uh, 4,000 people, uh, three to 4,000 people, which to us today may sound like a small city. But because of population growth, um, it was actually a pretty decent-sized city. Uh, to put in perspective, the city of Jerusalem, uh, which isn't too far away, it's the largest city in the area, um, when it's not festival time or, um, or time when people made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's actual inhabitants was about thirty to 40,000 people. So Jericho wasn't some backwater town. It got me to think about what's the largest city in our area. So the largest city in our area is the city of Chicago. And Chicago is a city of about 2.5 million people. And um, so about 10% of that, if I do my math right, which is what Jericho was to Jerusalem, is a city of about 250,000 people, or roughly the city of Grand Rapids. So if you think about some of the wealthiest people in our city doing exactly what uh, Zacchaeus did. So if, the, if a member of the Myers family or the Nandel family or DeVos family, a uh, famous person comes to Grand Rapids, and they act like Zacchaeus. They run ahead of the crowd and climb up in a tree. We would think that was a little crazy. Um, but Zacchaeus, even him being short, wasn't necessarily a barrier for him. Uh, as a guy who has three ladies in his family who are shorter than me, um, I can go to the tulip time parade in a couple weeks, and they can stand in front of me, and there's not going to be any barriers because I can see over top of their heads. Um, and that could be the same thing with Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus was so hated, and he was so hated because of how he got his money. Zacchaeus was so hated because of the tax system that those days wasn't anything like our tax system. 
their tax system didn't have any uh, set tax rate. Uh, how it would work is the Roman government, you would bid on how much you were willing to uh, give for taxes. So chief tax collectors like Zacchaeus uh, would bid, which left their tax system open to numerous forms of abuse. So how it would work is one guy would say, hey, I'll give 10,000 denarii for uh, this area. Another guy says, hey, I can offer 15,000 denarii. Another guy might say, hey, I can get you 18,000 denarii until someone finally maybe says, hey, I can get 20,000 denarii for uh, this area. The catch was that you had to pay it up front. And so since tax collectors were always competing for a job and always offering authorities more and more money, uh, it wasn't like the Roman Empire was going to say, hey, I got enough, we got enough money, we don't need any more money. Um, the tax system was constantly going up and up and up. Uh, some commentaries I read said as much as 80% of the wealth of the Roman Empire of the occupied areas were taken away and shipped off to Rome or given to tax collectors. They were given to tax collectors this way. Uh, you say tax collectors might need to pay, cover $20,000 to recoup their money, but they might collect $30,000 uh, worth of, 30,000 denarii worth of taxes, keeping 10,000 for themselves. And unfortunately, because no one had any idea whatsoever how much taxes they actually needed to carry, um, it was, they could collect, a uh, fisherman could one day have to pay half a denarii for his catch of fish and catch the same amount of fish the next day and pay two denarii for that fish. Um, and you say, well, why didn't they just evade the tax collectors? Well, these tax collectors would have Roman uh, guards that would help them. Um, Zac so Zacchaeus, uh, however, because of his private wealth, he wasn't allowed to worship God the same way the other Jews were. He wasn't allowed to, he had to stay in the outer courts of the temple uh, because of his job as a tax collector, even though he was a wealthy Jew and could have probably given a large portion of money to the, to the temple. Luke's gospel is the only one that tells us about Zacchaeus. And these 10 chapters are the only, or these 10 verses are the only things that we know about Zacchaeus. But it fits in the regular themes of Zacchaeus. You see, Jesus sees past this hardened tax collector. And Luke fits in the three themes of, of, of Zacchaeus fits in the three themes of Luke. The first theme is the problem with riches and what to do about it. The second is the identification of Jesus with sinners. And the third theme of Luke is um, faith, which recognizes Jesus as Lord and discovers new life as a result. And Zacchaeus hits all three of these on the head. He hits all three of these themes uh, so, so perfectly. And this is the same thing that um, we talk about with our, profession, our people making profession of faith. Uh, you know, identifying Jesus, that we're sinners and that we need Jesus and our faith changing as a result. Uh, Jesus saw straight through all the layers of Zacchaeus that he was struggling with. You see, Zacchaeus was so unliked that if people were to know 2,000 years later that we're talking about him and that millions of people were to know about him, the Jews would be red-faced mad just thinking about the fact that Zacchaeus did is being talked about. But Jesus saw straight through his layers of greed, 
his callous contempt for his fellow Jews. Jesus knew so much about his tax collectors, uh, A, because he was God, and B, because one of his disciples, one of his closest friends, Matthew, the guy that wrote the Gospel of Matthew, was a former tax collector. Uh, If you've ever seen the TV show The Chosen, it does a really good job of portraying who Matthew is. It does a good job of portraying that Matthew's someone who's looking for something more. He's looking for a better life, a life where he doesn't have worries. Um, Jesus, though, knew that these tax collectors couldn't resist the chance to have more for themselves. They couldn't resist the chance uh, to be greedy. And they struggled with the sin of greed. It sounds a lot like our culture here in America. We often struggle with the sin of greed. We often struggle uh, with wanting something more, wanting that next car, wanting that vacation house, wanting more money in our 401k, wanting, wanting more, wanting something new. And then when we get that thing, we get bored. Uh, but we know, and Zacchaeus knows, that there's a remedy for that. Uh, for the first time in, G- in Zacchaeus' life, he finds something more valuable than money. He finds Jesus. Uh, in verse 9 of the text that we read today, it says, Today salvation has come to your house. Where Jesus is, there salvation can be found. Those who accept him and reorder their life accordingly, they, salvation can be found. That's exactly what our three students making profession of faith did. They professed and accepted Jesus and are reordering their life accordingly. And I encourage them and you guys uh, and all of us to continue to reorder our lives towards Jesus. They, uh, like Zacchaeus, found their need for salvation. And we as Christians are called to find the same thing. We're called to know that joy and happiness can't be found in anything other than Jesus. It can't be found in achievements. It can't be found in money. It can't be found in power. It can't be found in good grades or fame or good deeds. Uh, For Jesus has come to seek and save the lost of Israel. And there weren't many people more lost in that day than than Zacchaeus. There weren't many people more lost. We're We, like Zacchaeus, are constantly, like I said, looking for something more, thinking that there's got to be something more in our life. Uh, There's a 2006 clip that I'm going to show you um, about Tom Brady, um, and he's on 60 Minutes. And at this point, Tom Brady is named the most eligible man in America, most eligible bachelor. He's won three Super Bowls, goes on to win seven, play in 10, marries a supermodel, divorces a supermodel. Uh, and then is now, again, probably the most eligible man in America. Uh, But in this clip, you see all that life is not what it's clocked up to be. So if you want to look on the screens, we're going to play the clip. fame and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. 
Yeah. Tom Brady says there's got to be something more. He says there's got to be something more. And this world is searching for something more. And these three people that made profession of faith, as well as us who love Jesus, know what that something more is. We know that that something more is Jesus. Zacchaeus learns what that something more is as well. It's Jesus who brings us back to a perfect relationship with our Lord. It's Jesus who brings us back to that perfect relationship with our Creator. Jesus chooses Zacchaeus. You look at verse 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looks up. And Zacchaeus come, he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Where Jesus is, there is salvation and new life. Because as you fast forward to verse 9, Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. It's not about how good we are. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we accomplish. It's not about our fame. But it's not about how nice we are. One of my, famous, one of my favorite quotes from uh, the author C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says, Jesus didn't come to make us nice, but he came to make us new. And so you see that very evidently in Zacchaeus. I've seen that even in the lives of our uh, folks making profession of faith. And in others who have decided to make their faith um, important, that Jesus comes to make us new. Salvation here isn't a past tense thing. In all other religions, salvation is a past tense thing. You see, Jesus says today salvation has come to, his, to this house. Salvation is a present tense thing, not a future tense thing like in all other religions. All other religions is about what we do. They don't know if they're saved because they may mess up before they die. Or other religions hope that their good works outweigh their bad works. All other religions, salvation is a future tense. It's about being a good person. It's about earning it. But in Christianity, it is all about our salvation is in a person, not in, a, not in our deeds. Our salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus chose Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus chose Jesus. Just like Jace, Mia, and Bree, Jesus chose you before you chose him. In verse 6, it says, Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus is so amazed because this is going to cost Jesus his reputation. Going to Zacchaeus' house is going to cost Jesus his reputation. In the ancient Near East, uh, going to someone's house meant that you had a relationship with them, meant that you were friends with them, meant that you rubbed shoulders, meant that you agreed with them. And um, the Jewish people would have been in completely happy and completely fine if Jesus had said to Zacchaeus, hey, I want you to clean up your act. I want you to stop robbing people. I want you to get right with the Lord. And then I'll come to your house. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to his house when he was still living in sin. For Zacchaeus, it cost Jesus his reputation. And for us, it costs Jesus his life. 
How much are we willing to change to follow Jesus? Let's look at how much Zacchaeus did. Jesus didn't save Zacchaeus because he gave all his money away. Jesus saved Zacchaeus first, and as a result of Jesus saving Zacchaeus, he gives his money away. Jesus didn't save Jace, Mia, and Bree because they made profession of faith. As a result of Jesus saving them, their response was to make profession of faith. And Zacchaeus giving his money away, he went way above and beyond even what the Bible tells him to. So Leviticus law says, give away 10%. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to see you better. I'm going to give away 50%. Zacchaeus, or Jewish law says, you give away what if you've stolen anything, you give away what you've stolen plus 20%. Zacchaeus says, his heart is so changed and money doesn't have the hold on it that it did that he gives back 400%. After meeting Jesus, it's very clear to see that Zacchaeus' life was never going to be the same. Can we say the same thing? Does our life look different than our unbelieving neighbors because of our relationship with Jesus and because of what he's done for us? I want us as a church to take some time this week and count the ways that our life looks different Pray about it. Talk about it about our, around our Sunday dinner table. How does our family look different as a result of the relationship with Jesus than others in our community? So I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to invite the worship team up. Lord God, I thank you so much for what you did for Zacchaeus, what you've done for Jace and Mia and Bree, what you've done for all of us who are believers, Lord God. I thank you for what you've done on the cross, how you didn't come to make us nice, but you came to make us new. Lord God, I pray that our lives can be reoriented and change continually to look more like you. Lord God, that our lives can point others to you. I thank you so much that we get to celebrate uh, the choice that Bree, Mia, and Jace made today uh, by declaring that their faith is in you, Lord God. I thank you for that. I thank you that we have the opportunity to celebrate with them. I thank you for the opportunity that Mary and I and their mentors had to spend a couple months with them uh, diving deeper in our faith, Lord God. I pray that as we go forth this week that we can point others towards you by our lives being oriented towards you. In your son Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.